Welcome to Noblesville First. As we gather together on Sunday, March 22nd, just two weeks before Easter. So wherever you are, we hope that you feel the Spirit with you as it pulls us together in the unity of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are gathered here to finish our walk series that we've been doing the past four weeks. And I want to share with you that portions of this live stream is actually pre-recorded because we're trying to practice safe social distancing. For example, last Sunday, there was 10 people that helped put this together. We've trimmed that down to five or six of us. And uh, so we hope that this experience continues to be helpful to you and special. Last Sunday, we had over 1,000 views for it. Uh, Again, we'll have about 35 minutes of worship that we'll share with you. And then we put together a Q&A with our pastoral care team that will show. And then Paul Ernst and I will carry on a little discussion afterwards. So stay live and be sure to make some comments while the video is playing and then afterwards. So please join me now in the sharing of our call to worship. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. Well, each week we are now choosing a hymn of the week, and we invited you from the safety of your home to make a video, pre-record it, upload it to the Facebook page, either by singing or getting people together or playing your favorite instrument. We want to thank Tom Shriver, who's put together this video of some submissions that came this week. And we're going to use that to sing along with this song, which is I Need Thee Every Hour. Next Sunday's hymn of the week will be How Great Thou Art, which I'll mention again for you. So this time, let us join together and sing I Need Thee Every Hour. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can be so I invite you now to join with me for a prayer of praise and gathering. Let's pray. Lord, we believe you're here with us, and somehow your Holy Spirit's able to gather together all of our hearts to unite us as we seek to be your people once again. May we hear the words of inspiration today, the music that reminds us of the times we've been together, and may it give us hope, encouragement, We're now in our third Sunday of what may be still quite a while. So we need a spirit of endurance. We need your power 
to remind us that you are still in charge, that somehow you'll bring blessings through this. So help us look for those blessings, not only this morning during this, this time together, but also in the week to come. May your spirit unite us and hold us in your blessed name. Amen. As we now come to this time of prayer, we lift up these parish joys and concerns. This morning, we continue to pray for medical professionals and first responders, for those who are experiencing illness and uncertainty, for those who are going through a job loss or disruption, for parents and children as they spend these next two weeks of spring break together, uh, give them patience with one another. And we ask for renewal for our teachers uh, during this spring break as well. Let them come back refreshed for what's ahead. We're thankful for that Emma Paris is now making very good progress. Uh, we pray for Victor Harbor and Thelma as he is in the ICU. We pray for Brian Mills, John Blake, John Morgan, John and Mitzi Nehmeyer, and we express our sympathies to Dave Sheets upon the loss of his brother, Kent. Let us now join together in our call to prayer. God of compassion, be close to those who are ill, afraid or in isolation, and their loneliness be their consolation, in their anxiety be their hope, in their darkness be their light, through him who suffered alone on the cross, but reigns with you in glory, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now let us take a moment of silent prayer. Gracious and holy God, once again, we are not able to gather physically in the same space, but we are united with one another in Christ. Let your spirit wash over us as we seek new ways to live and stay connected in these strange and difficult times. We are thankful a recovery assistance package has been passed by our legislators, and we pray this helps alleviate some of the pain and uncertainty that many people are feeling but also help us to remain vigilant and keep demanding more for the most vulnerable among us. SNAP benefits need additional funding, access to healthcare and testing needs to continue to improve. And Lord, as we shelter in place, we pray for those who have no place to take shelter in. As citizens, we must also continue to exert pressure so that healthcare workers get all the equipment that they need to care for the sick and dying as well as keep themselves safe. Pour out your protection and strength on doctors, nurses, researchers, grocery workers, custodians, farmers, delivery drivers, small business owners, and teachers. Help us to be patient with one another and heed the advice of health officials to stay at home, wash hands regularly, and maintain at least six feet of physical distancing whenever we must be with others. May this pandemic come and go quickly, but let a pandemic of love, of care, of healing, and of power come to stay for the common good of us all. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me now share a few announcements with you. First, I want to point out that we've decided to close down the office to the public. We'll still be conducting some essential business within uh, we're working a way to answer the phone remotely, but we'll continue. Can, we'll still be able to be reached at 317-773-2500 in the office during normal office hours. Uh, please continue to share your prayer concerns and needs with the 24/7 Care Line at 317-773-2500. And our uh, Staff is getting very comfortable now with the Zoom video and audio format, so we have decided we're going to offer Monday, Thursday, 
and Good Friday services that evening at 7 o'clock, a week from this coming week, uh, on Zoom. So you might want to explore that with us. Uh, it'll be shared on, the links will be shared on the website and our social media platforms. And for that Monday Thursday service, you might want to work to find a little grape juice or something that will replace that in your home and bread as we'll be celebrating communion together, but separately in our own homes. Uh, please go to the website to find the Good Friday Prayer Vigil. We have a sign-up sheet as well as a prayer guide linked there. We've had uh, sign-ups now. 16 of the 24 spots are are already signed up, so there's eight there left. And you could also, we can have more than one person praying. We're doing this at home anyway. So just put your name beside a name already there if you'd like to participate from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. in 30-minute time slots. And let me remind you again, our hymn of the week for this coming week is How Great the Art. So have a little fun, record something, and post it up on Facebook. Now, for our opportunities to serve, I invite you to pull out your Noblesville First app. We've got it set up in there for you to, to respond to the opportunities we have for you to serve. And those um, that, if you don't have the app yet, go to the website. There's some easy instructions there, or you can actually just uh, text to the number 77977 and then type in the message NFUMC space app and you'll be able to get there. The work at their Teeter Organic Farm is ramping up and so the operational team has in place a very safe social distancing uh, plan to maintain that. You'll find that option on your, on your app there. Uh, or you can email Pastor Aaron Hobbs and he'll make sure that you get connected and find the place that you can work and make a difference as we continue to reduce uh, food insecurity here in Hamilton County. Also, we decided as a staff we'd like to try a little virtual worship on Good Friday. So depending on how many uh, things people submit, we're going to try to offer some things throughout the day, like on the hour, beginning whenever uh, we decide. Uh, so if you've got some art you'd like to show or a paint, uh, maybe some music you'd like to perform or poetry you'd like to read or maybe your favorite scripture, just read it and post it and we'll pull those together and, and post those as part of our Good Friday experience as we celebrate the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you've got questions about that, email Pastor Matt Hantelman as he's overseeing that responsibility. And also we're looking for people to read scripture. We've, we're going to show a video here in a little bit. Uh, we think it'd be fun to share the faces of our church family in this creative worship time. Uh, so let us know if you're willing and we'll supply the scripture for you and any instructions you might need and how to record that. And you can email me for that effort. So as you can see, the church is still very much at work. We're discovering that being the virtual church is a lot more work than being the real church, but we're doing the best we can. Uh, and as you can see, it's important that we need to continue our, our giving in this time, especially critical at a time that we can't pass an offering plate on Sunday morning. So please mail your donations to the church office, use the Noblesville First app, or go to our website for the online giving option there. So as a matter of fact, you might even want to try doing that right now as we're about to enjoy the music of Kate Baker and Cindy Romano. But before we do that, let's pray for God's blessings upon these gifts and tithes. Lord, we thank you for the generosity that continues. In this most challenging time, we're seeing signs of people's extraordinary acts of generosity, people going out of their way to help one another. We see people leaving tips at restaurants that will help the whole staff that's there. We see people uh, making special donations. We see people reaching out and offering free things that help our, our first responders to do their job. So help us to maintain that spirit. We're going to be people who live out of faith and not out of fear. And you make that possible. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. Amen.
Good morning from the Reddings. Today's Bible reading is coming from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. As Jesus walked alongside the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come and follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and followed him. The second verse comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do to obey everything that I commanded you. Look, I will be with you every day until the end of the present age. Good morning. Welcome to Noblesville First's live stream. I'm Matt Hantelman, and I'm one of the pastors here at Noblesville First, and I'm just glad that you decided to log on with us this morning. This morning, we'll be wrapping up our five-week series on the five essential practices of a Christian life. This week, our practice is sharing, and more specifically, sharing your faith with others. And I thought we had to tackle an uncomfortable topic last week when we talked about money through giving, but... In my experience, people would be much more comfortable talking about money than how they share or don't share their faith with others. So that got me thinking as to why this kind of topic has so much anxiety and discomfort around it. And don't get me wrong, I understand that there are those who find it easy to share their faith with other people. And that unfortunately, sometimes the loudest subset of those people are the ones that we'd really rather not have sharing. I took a poll at Thursday worship, asking people how they view evangelism. And the response that I got was almost unanimously negative. They said that they connected evangelism to TV preachers who just want your money and door-to-door -door proselytizers and that those were not really good things. It wasn't a positive to talk about evangelism. But then somebody spoke up and said that sharing your faith was different. And almost everyone seemed to agree that that had a much better connotation. It was much more positive to talk about that. And so the language we use to describe what we're talking about can actually mean the difference between a positive and negative response from people. And how we choose to look at evangelism or sharing your faith also has a profound impact on our own desire to do it. A part of that has to do with how we view ourselves as Christians and the worldview that we have for what a Christian is. So a question for you is, would you want to have someone else have the exact faith that you do? When I hear sharing your faith, it does make me think that it, I'm trying to give someone else my faith. And that's not always a comfortable thing for me. I don't want people to have my faith. I want them to have a better faith. And I think that's one of the reasons so many people are scared or reluctant or intimidated to share their faith with people. Because they don't want other people to have their faith. They'd rather have a, a super Christian come along and share with someone, and so that person can have the super Christian's faith. When we view our faith as inadequate or ugly or not good enough, sharing it with others becomes out of the question. Because we wouldn't want anyone else turning out like the Christian that we are. But it's in those moments when we have those feelings that we have to preach the gospel to ourselves, that it's not our own merit or goodness or anything that brought us to where we are, but the grace and love of God alone. We're comfortable telling someone who says, God couldn't love me with all the stuff that I've done, that they are wrong and that God does love them fully. But we can't seem to say that to ourselves when we say my faith isn't good enough to share with others. But that faith comes from God 
as well. Consider Paul's words in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Because the grace that God gave to me, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable, since God has measured out a portion of faith to each of you. God measures out our faith. God gives us the faith that we have and share with other people. Hear that Romans verse one more time from the message. Verse 12, or excuse me, chapter 12, verse 3. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who bring goodness to God. No, God brings it to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Let me read that last part again. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Another way to say this is that we share our faith with others, not to help them have our faith, but to see that our faith comes from a God of love. We share our faith with others, not to give them our faith, but to, to introduce them to a God that gave us ours and gave them theirs. God is already working in the lives of everyone. Remember our scripture from a few weeks ago, from Ephesians 2.10, that we are God's accomplishment, created to do good works that God planned in advance for us to do. This is the reason that I've struggled with the language that says missionaries take Jesus places. Jesus doesn't need to be taken anywhere. He is already there. He's already working in the hearts of all people, already ingrained in their souls with the fingerprints of God's creative power and good works planning. We should be meeting Jesus in those places and helping people see that the God that is already at work in them. It's not a gift to give them. It's a gift already given long ago, waiting to be opened. And so I encourage you, when you go into the world, when it's safe to do so, of course, to not view people as ones in need of something that you have and they don't. And to not view the gospel as a product that you have to sell. It is attitudes like that that turn into the negative feeling that we have about evangelism. Treating people like customers instead of community members. Evangelism, as it exists in our world today, can be cold and disconnected and ultimately lack meaning to people because of those things. But sharing your faith, sharing the good news of the gospel, takes relationship and connection and communities. And those are things that God is already moving in. I encourage you to join in with God in those places, in your own community and your own surroundings. Because our faith isn't ugly or inadequate or not good enough. It is simply where we are with God right now. Because it's not about what we are and what we do, but who God is and what God does. And that is worth sharing with people. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Let me remind you that we're still producing the Faith First. It's available on our website. Go to the front page in the pull-down menu under worship. You'll find it. So... 
remember the beauty of this study that we're going through this Lenten season called The Walk is the spiritual practices and its simplicity in which it shares it. So he invites us to consider our hands which are with us all the time. We have five fingers to remind us of the five things we're called to do in each of these practices. And he also invites us to use the closed hand or fist to remind us of the corporate nature of the things we need to do together. So keep those in mind as we go through uh, what God's calling us to offer. So remember, we're supposed to pray five times a day and to worship regularly. We're supposed to study five verses of the Bible if we're just starting out with that new practice and try to work your way up to five chapters a week. And then the corporate expression is to find people to read the Bible together with, whether it's a Bible study group or a growth group or just two or three people that you read and hold each other accountable. We're called to serve five random acts of kindness a week. Be looking for ways you can reach out and do something extraordinary beyond your normal routine. And to find a regular place to serve where you can make a difference in this world. And we're called to give five extraordinary acts of generosity a month. And to also find a way to pledge or give to the church on a regular basis. Today our challenge is the most challenging, as Matt shared earlier. And most of us are reluctant to do it. I think we shared before that the average United Methodist invites somebody to church every 38 years. Yes, 38 years. And there's several reasons why we're reluctant to share our faith. A lot of us prefer to show our faith by our actions. We're just not talkers. We'd rather be doers. Others have been around people who are pushy, and you just don't want to be one of those kinds of persons. We also know we live in a multicultural society, so we have to be more careful in how we share our faith not to offend others of other faiths. But probably the biggest obstacle to us sharing our faith with someone else is that Christianity has gotten quite a bad rap in our society today. I don't know if you saw the other day in the news that there was a preacher down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, who's decided to ignore all the social distancing uh, restrictions that have been asked for by the CDC, and he held church the last two Sundays with over a thousand people gathered in worship. And he's doing that in a state that's got one of the highest rates of people contracting the coronavirus in our country. You know, when you see things like that, it's hard to blame people who are skeptical of the faith or, or are reluctant to be involved with organized religion because they see those kind of crazy things in the name of religion. But many of these people that are skeptical are not really atheists. They might be a little agnostic, but many call themselves, they have a label that people are using a lot. Matter of fact, it's become a a label that's used in a lot of writings where we use that phrase that I'm spiritual but not religious. And that label applies to a lot of Americans. There was a 2017 Pew Research Center study done And they showed that 27% of U.S. adults think of themselves as spiritual but not religious. As they continued with those questions, they found that only 54% of U.S. adults think of themselves as religious. So all this suggests that less and less people believe the practice of our faith is important enough to share with others and encourage someone to become a part of a practicing faith community like here at Noblesville First. Now, I have to admit, I'm a little tired of that phrase, spiritual, not religious. I, I hear it all the time. Or, or I'll hear that phrase of people say, well, I don't believe in organized religion. And, and, and my first thought is always, oh, so you believe in disorganized religion. Well, this week's chapter of The Walk, it, it made me think about that a little bit. Uh, Adam Hamilton reminded us that Jesus was often criticized by the religious elite of his day, for not being religious enough. Just a few scriptures to point out. You'll find in Matthew 15, there's the passage where Jesus is criticized because his disciples don't purify their hands, which is the ritual that was to be conducted before every meal they ate, not just for sanitation. It was a ritual that they did in those days. Jesus was accused of not properly observing the Sabbath because his disciples were seen picking grains of wheat in the field as they're traveling on the Sabbath day. Jesus was also criticized for eating with non-religious types like Matthew and Zacchaeus. And they were despised tax collectors who worked for the hated Romans. 
Now, I might be going a little too far if I'd say that Jesus might have called himself spiritual but not religious, but he certainly had a heart for those who might label themselves in that way. And so we would do well if we, we do our best when we share our faith with the world to understand where people like that are coming from, those who have rejected organized religion, those we need to make sure that we listen more and argue less when we share our faith. Even more, if we believe our faith is worth sharing, we need to learn to explain it and live in, in such a way that others will find it attractive and meaningful for their lives. So let me see if I can help with that just a little bit this morning. You see, I, I believe there's an upside to religion. And there's no doubt that religion has its problems. The problem with religion in general is that it is made up of people, and people are not perfect. So whenever you gather people together in any kind of group, there's going to be flaws. There's going to be people that will be considered hypocrites, people that don't live up to what we claim we believe. But beautiful things also happen when people come together in the name of God. You see, being religious means that we're in a community with other people who share a belief in God, who calls us together. And that is something that we often take for granted, which we're not taking for granted now when we can't gather together. Last Sunday, I was watching the feed and how moving it was to see all the names show up on the Facebook feed and people commenting, acknowledging each other, making comments to the service. It, it just reminded me how much I miss all of you as we've gathered together Sunday after Sunday. Being religious is about being in a community, a community that is seeking out to live the call of God to love one another unconditionally. We're to be there for each other. We have those things in life to celebrate. We're also there when things don't go so well in our lives. We're there for each other because we know we are all sinners, and sometimes we let God and others down, and yet we still are committed to one another. That is religion at its best. Being religious means we also find value in the rituals that we observe, like the Lord's Prayer. I have fun seeing people this week who have made the connection that the call to sanitize our hands for about 20 seconds is just about the same amount of time that you can recite the Lord's Prayer. So you can do two things at once and connect yourself with God while you're doing something that's safe for yourself and everyone else. Being religious also means that we sometimes find places become sacred. Now, the sanctuary, there's nothing magical about it, especially with only five or six people in it. But this is a place that's been a shared place, and shared spaces become sacred spaces when meaningful events and relationships take place within them. I was talking with Bob Crandall this week, and he was sharing how much he appreciated the live feed last Sunday, and, and he noted our showing of the resurrection window that's at the back of our sanctuary. And he recited to me the tradition that has been here for a long time, that in this sanctuary, when this was the primary place we worshipped, the pastor on Easter Sunday would invite the congregation to turn and face that window. And then the pastor would share the symbolism that's within that window and all what each part means. And while he was sharing that history and the symbolism, the choir would slip in into the chancel area. And as he completed that description, the choir would launch into the Alleluia Chorus. And what a moving, moving moment that was. This is the space where we've had funerals together, where our children have gotten married, where we formed new friendships. And all this is brought together by religion. Robert Putnam and David Campbell in their book American Grace points out that Americans who attend church regularly give more than double to charity of all kinds than their unchurched counterparts. People also volunteer in an even higher number for both faith-based and secular causes. Religion has the power to make us more generous. Now, Religion, you see, isn't just religion. It's the caretaker of the spiritual practices that we've been talking about in this series, the things that have endured through the centuries, the things that pull us and connect us with God, practices that change our lives for the better, and they've been practiced for centuries, practices that make us better people. 
And please don't think I'm trying to say that non-religious people cannot be good, generous, or caring. We all know who people are. But there's a lot of evidence that religion provides the framework that many of us need for our spiritual life together. Bishop Michael Siss says it well. A person becomes a great scientist through many years of learning and directly applying the language and methods of scientists. A person becomes a great musician by learning from other musicians and by the discipline of consistent practice. And for someone new to spirituality, a religious tradition provides a vocabulary and a community for a lifetime of learning and growing. Now here's the secret to connecting, to sharing our faith with people who are spiritual but not religious. I think Jesus provides the secret. If you look at his life, you realize that he was also religious. He observed the Sabbath. He went to synagogue. He spent time in the temple courts in Jerusalem. He revered Moses and the law, the Torah law, just like all other Jews of his day. But the difference was he always kept the spiritual above the religious. He never let the outward observance of religion overtake the spiritual. Jesus always held those two in balance. The ritual, the structure, the practice of religion is there to serve the spiritual, which connects us with God and each other. And love is the source and final outcome of any truly spiritual encounter. If my religion doesn't help me love better and love deeper, then it's not serving its proper function. Jesus was always able to keep that focus on what really mattered. In his words, we've remembered forever. Jesus was the one who said the law and the prophets is summed up in two commandments, to love God and to love your neighbor. Jesus is the one who said when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Jesus is the one who said that in everything, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if, any, if we have any hope of reaching future generations with the faith of Jesus Christ, then we need to learn to keep the spiritual before the religious. We need to find that proper balance where religion fuels our spirituality. So here's your faith challenge to take with you this week. Use the five fingers again. This time, think of five people that you have in your life that you know their life would be better if they had Jesus in it. Five people. And think about possibly sharing your faith with them in the next year. you got a whole year to think about that. And so here's what you do. You begin with prayer for them and their needs. Don't share your faith prematurely. Make sure that you have made them your first priority in their life. In the meantime, develop a simple faith story. Some people call this their elevator speech. Three minutes worth of thinking through what is the difference your faith makes in your life and what did your life look like before without God clearly in it? Or if God's always been in it, share the things that continue to make your life better because of that faith. Then when the time's right, when the Holy Spirit has prompted you, invite that person to serve with you or worship with you. Remember, not everybody comes to faith through worship first. And then share your faith story when it is appropriate. And in all things, stay humble. We're not better than anyone else. We're simply people who receive what God has given to us and offer it to someone else. So that brings our walk series to a conclusion. Remember those five essential practices to pray, study, serve, give, and share your faith in the weeks to come, the months to come, and the year to come. If we do all those things well, we will have something worthwhile to share with someone else. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we're thankful that you challenge us. You called us to be your hands and feet in this world. We're called to change the world. We're called to change lives. Help us to discover the gift that you've given us. Find the ways to put it into words, to share when it's appropriate with those five people you've placed in our midst. This is our hope. This is our prayer on this Sunday morning, this March 29th. Amen. Well, before I share the benediction and then we enjoy Cindy Romano's postlude, remember we're about to 
offer a about a 14, 13, 14 minute Q&A from our pastoral care team. You're welcome to post comments and questions during it. And then at the very end, Pastor Paul Ernst and I will carry on that discussion a few minutes more if you'd like to interact some about that video. So we now go forth as the people of God, sharing your faith through prayer, through study, through serving and offering that faith to someone else. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you. I'm Jerry Reardon, lead pastor here at Novozo First, and I have some of our pastoral care team here. We have right here Mary Eileen Spence, Carol Miller, Paul Ernst, and there are more to the pastoral care team, but these are the ones that are doing the heavy lifting right now during this coronavirus work. We wanted to spend just a little bit of time to bring you up to date to deal with some of the things that we're facing in this challenging time, uh, to talk about what pastoral care is like in a situation where you can't physically touch or even be in the same place with the people you're trying to care for. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the grieving situation because some of you have lost people recently and couldn't even go to the funeral and discuss what that means. Uh, Carol's still carrying on the grief share program and she'll discuss that. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, anxiety that we're all facing just a little bit and, and share some resources that help us deal with those in the midst and draw upon our faith for that. And then finally, we're going to talk a little bit about what this pastoral care team is doing with several other volunteers right now that's being made possible because of the support you provide Nobles of First. So let me begin with a question I'll direct to Paul and Mary Eileen. Uh, I want to talk about what's the situation like for you when you can't go to the hospital, all you can do is make phone calls. What does that feel like and, and how are you coping with that? You know, one of the things that... Uh I've discovered in making phone calls around these, these last uh, week or two, there are people who think that we're still allowed to go to visit in nursing homes and hospitals. So we should probably say now that we're not allowed to do that. Uh, and, and that really, um, in a way, felt made us feel helpless at first because we're used to going in and uh, being with in, directly in the room with people before their surgery, um, in a, in a hospital room following surgery. Um, there's family there and we can join, all join hands and pray and none of that is possible now. Uh, so uh, we've tried to put together um, a program that allows us to meet needs in different ways. I would echo all that Paul says and it is difficult when we can't be a presence with you um, make the contact with you because that's so much of our ministry, being present in your time of need. But we are adapting just like everybody else through the telephone calls and um, perhaps down the line if this continues on we may figure out some other ways. Um, we've been introduced to the Zoom program here and that might be a possibility to do some one-on-one -on -one with those of you who um, need and would desire that kind of contact. But it is um, a new thing for us, but we are making the contacts, and I want to thank all those who have been helping us. 
I recall when I went through my chaplain's training years ago, my trainer said that the most important thing I did was walking in the room. Mm -hmm. And that's taken away from you. And so I, I just commend you for continuing to do this. I know I hate using the telephone. So uh, I, I just really thank you for doing all that work. Carolyn, you, you're still carrying on grief share. You've had your first session now uh, through a telephone conferencing Correct. process. Talk a little bit about that and how that's working. Yes, we had to uh, postpone for a couple of weeks. We're right in the middle of our 14-week uh, sessions. And um, unfortunately, we had to postpone for a couple of weeks. But we have been able, this past Sunday, we were able to meet by telephone conference. And we had 15 people joining us. Uh, and it went very well. So uh, we are very pleased. And this week, uh, we are going to begin our do our regular program. Uh, we're going to be meeting at four o'clock by telephone, and our company, the Grief Share Company, has made available to us the videos so that everyone that is registered may go online and watch these videos at home. And that's what we'll do this week: is we will talk about our workbook material, and then we'll also discuss the videos. So we're really excited to be back. It is very difficult because our program is based on hugs and human touch, and it's so difficult to not be able to just wrap our arms around each one of these people. But grief is an ongoing program. Um, it's an ongoing part of our lives. And right now, I just want to say is um, a lot of people have lost loved ones, but in many ways, we are all grieving a loss whether it be your work environment, your, your friendships, your Bible studies, your church uh, worship, we are all grieving these losses. And that is a form of grief. And I just tell you to just take time. Take time to find quiet time alone. And just uh, think about your losses. If you, if you identify them, you identify the anxieties, you identify your fears, um, it really helps then for you to really begin to understand what's going on and, and to really work on um, getting through that. In our grief program, we always say, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you can't go around it. You have to go through it. And whether it's the loss of a loved one or it's uh, the loss of a job right now, it's lost of our normal routine life. Just you have to lean into it and just trust in God to get you through it. I've heard you mention that uh, right now there's a sense of grief being put on hold because there's just some things you can't do. Yeah. My daughter's father-in-law died two days ago and they had the funeral. Matter of fact, today and I could not go, couldn't be there for my daughter. And just to realize that it's it's on hold for a while. Yeah. It's going to have to be until we yeah. all can gather together and truly have a celebration of his life. And right. that's, it's just really hard. We just need to Some of our that. participants mentioned that Sunday when we asked them the question, what has this coronavirus done to your grief? And several of them immediately said, it's put it on hold. Now, we had a few others that said, oh, no, it's, it's manifold, gotten much worse. But... To say that your grief is on hold is we have to recognize our grief, and we cannot set it aside. We have to lean into it. We have to go through it. It's difficult, but that's the only way we can get to the other side of it is really to work at it and understand it. Okay. Let, let's move to talking about the anxiety that all families are feeling right now, every person. Uh, I know I've had some sleepless nights, so let's just open up. Anybody share what you think is helpful for any family to cope with this in these days and days with, together? It certainly has got to bring up the stresses of our relationships. But what would you say to a family who's trying to figure out how to get through this time? I think what I would say is you need to just keep in contact with each other the best that you can. 
um, because we can't go out and about as much. You know, there's the telephone, and in this day and age of technology, there's FaceTime and ways that you can see each other. Um, also, to keep up your routines as the best as possible as you go through the day. Um, for myself, I'm trying to do that, and even with my pastoral care job, I'm trying to make sure I'm doing the things on the days that only a different way that I'm normally on call. And so on Mondays and Thursdays, many of you will probably be hearing from me. I'm still going out for my walks and um, doing those kind of things. So I, I think that is one of the things that you need to do. I would. It's, uh, I agree with you about getting out and getting some exercise. Um, I also think that uh, it's important for us, as we have uh, been hearing uh, from our uh, pastors um, to keep up with our devotions and prayers. Um, it just um, can make a huge difference in your life. And I think I would recommend, we need, we do need to know what's going on out there in the world, and we, we need to, to touch base with the outside world. But really, I think we could turn our televisions yeah. off and our uh, computers or however we're getting our news for a few hours a day and spend that time with our families uh, and also with God. Very much so, very much so. Um, I heard recently that um, we were being advised to take through our daily routine and get up, brush your teeth, take a shower, get dressed, just like you normally do if you're going to work. Um, especially for our children, that's real important that that they are on this regular schedule and that we're not disrupting that type of thing. So that helps us keep some normalcy to our life. I just want to speak to what it feels like in absence of being able to come together as a church. I know last Sunday when I looked at the Facebook feed as other things were going on before I spoke, it was powerful to hear, see those names and read those comments and know that we're still connected, and, and that's one of the beauties of our faith. We believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is at work and still uniting us. And when you pray, it's making a difference. Uh, so we need to draw upon that witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives now to help us cope with all of our anxieties and to feel that connection with one another. The church is still the church, even though we're separated by distance. Well, let's wrap this up by talking a little bit about what you're doing as a team with our congregation, how you're trying to keep people connected, especially we're doing some creative things with Zoom right now and the live stream, but not everybody has those things. So how are you staying connected, especially with some of our older populations not quite as uh, connect with technology? Well, it became clear that we were going to have to have some way to uh, track people uh, and uh, the, we needed to be able to do it without the complete technology uh, that so many of our people in the church are so good at. And so that leaves the telephone uh, and our record keeping. So uh, we, we put together um, uh, a way to keep track of people who are able and willing um, to offer to help others in our congregation and in the community, not just the congregation, uh, and, uh, and then another list of people who would need help as we learned about it. Uh, so um, we can use the old telephone technology, as I call it, even, <laughs> though I'm, even though we have cell phones. When it comes right down to making a phone call, I'm calling that the old technology and uh, leaving a voicemail and even texting. So. Um, so the, those tools are in place, and, and uh, we've been able to use them, and I think Carol has especially taken uh, great advantage of them. And you've got a team working with you, right? What kind of things yeah. is the team doing? We have, um, I don't know how many callers. Uh, we have called uh, over 300 people in the last week just to find uh, any needs or to check in with people, those living alone and that type of thing. Um, and we've had had some requests that we've been able to do some doctor appointments and um, takes care of some needs. So uh, we have a lot of volunteers. We, I thank everybody that's stepped forward and volunteered to do errands or shopping or whatever. And we're getting that, taking calls and requests as they come in. 
So you can continue to share those needs. Any way we can be helpful, please let us know. You can email care at noblesvillefirst.com or call the church office at 317-773-2500. And then we also have the 24-7 care line that's answered by us. Uh, we're, we're on that call, uh, passing that off to one another 24-7, and that number is 317-773-2590. Now, we're going to, uh, we've actually taped this earlier in the week, and uh, but we want this to be interactive. So Paul and I are actually here on Sunday as well, and we're inviting you to share your comments, and we're going to do a little bit of interaction and answer any questions you might have, or share any comments, any thoughts of things that you're doing to help cope with the situation, or any concerns that you have as well. We'll carry that on at least a few more minutes. So thank you for listening. Appreciate our team once again. Well, I hope you enjoyed this morning's live feed of our service and the Q&A that followed. Uh, I think I saw at one time we had <clears throat> as many as 188 viewers at one time, so that's tremendous. And of course, this video will get shared. Please share it on your Facebook page with others. Uh, that's what seems to multiply the views. I know we've had over a thousand viewers uh, views of each of these videos so far. Uh, we just wanted to have a little quick follow-up, maybe take five minutes just to See if there's any interaction you'd like to share, comments or thoughts that uh, are special. I did see uh, right before we sat down some great appreciation for our pastoral care team, and I want to reiterate that because they're working hard making calls. I know over 300 calls have been made so far, and those calls are so appreciated this time of isolation to feel connection, connected to the faith community. Um, one question we did see earlier was people were wondering what kind of things are available to do out at Teeter right now. And you're welcome just to go and walk around the grounds. Of course, it'd be a little muddy right now, so you'd want to walk carefully, but hopefully it dries up this week. And you're welcome to take your family out for just a walk wherever it's not too wet. Uh, because the field is very easy to separate people out. If you want to work as a family or as an individual, we can put you in a safe spot where you don't have to be near anybody. And you, we've got a lot of work that still needs to be done. So the best way to make that connection is to email uh, Pastor Aaron at ahobs at noblesofirst.com and they'll get you connected and make sure that you can do something that's safe. Uh, I know Paul had a couple thoughts he wanted to share with us uh, as follow-up to the video. Well, we did talk some in the tape about uh, the number of people that uh, have uh, put themselves out there to volunteer, uh, to do things that, to help the congregation and also the neighbors outside the congregation. And I know there are people who uh, wouldn't hesitate to let us know about situations that, um, that need to be um, taken care of or looked into. Uh, and I just want to reiterate, do not hesitate uh, to contact us uh, at careatnoblesvillefirst.com or uh, call the phone number uh, for pa the pastoral care line and uh, let us know. And there's ways to take care of everything. Uh, and we do have access to the chaplains in the hospitals by phone. So many, many things are possible even though our pastoral care volunteers and our pastoral care team cannot go into hospitals and nursing homes. There's still a lot that can happen. And the way to make that connection again is to um, <clears throat> email care at noblesofirst.com or call the 24-7 care line at 317-773-2590. Uh, let me just again emphasize how important it is that we each practice safe social distancing. We're doing that here this morning. We're trying to do with all of our ministries, even the places where we're delivering food or running errands. We're making sure we have very careful practices. I know the dinner's on us. People are very careful what they do. They just drop the food off at the apartment complex office and let them distribute it. So everything we do, we're trying to do safely. So please practice that social distancing. From what I'm seeing, it's making a difference. Even though the numbers are going up, people are seeing the rate starting to decline. So it's so important that we all stick together, think about one another, and keep that distance from one another. Thank you for watching.